everybody, and welcome to Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. My guest for today's episode is Alyssa Poland of the Funky Fox Etsy Shop. If you're looking for fun, glittery, or any kind of fish-related show gear, the Funky Fox should be your first stop. That's funky with a PH, of course. Alyssa chose Fish's show at the BBNT Pavilion, otherwise known as Camden, on June 28th, 2019. When she picked the show, my first thought was the show was so recent, how much could there possibly be to say about it? The answer was a lot. As we discussed, the summer 2019 tour was just a year and a half ago, but with quarantine, it seems like a lifetime ago. So I'm really glad that Alyssa was able to remind me of just how good and influential that tour was, and especially this particular show, the opening of a three-night run in Camden. So get your cheesesteak, make sure you have your ferry ticket, and refresh your copy of Ghosts of the Forest as we join Alyssa Poland from the Funky Fox to take a look back at June 28th, 2019 in Camden. Alyssa, how are you? I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having me on here today. My absolute pleasure. And today you chose to talk about Fish's show on June 28th, 2019 at the BBNT Pavilion. But for all intents and purposes, it's Camden, right? As I like to call it, Jamden. Jamden, New Jersey. And we'll get into that <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, but I think everyone knows when they hear Camden in their head, all Fish fans at least, they know it's for the most part not to be missed. Yes. Real quick at the top of the show, this is attendance bias. In just a couple sentences, why do you have attendance bias towards June 28th, 2019? The show is just super special. Me and my boyfriend, we had been to Camden before and like had been living in PA, but this was like the first show that it really felt like home. And we had our friends staying with us and all of our friends were there. And my dad was there, our family was there, and it was the night before that we were going to set up on Shakedown the first time. So that was like the night before the grand opening of the Funky Fox shop on the lot. There's just so many emotions in the air. <laughs> my first thought was, wow, that's a really recent show. But when I started looking into the history of the band at that point and listening back to it, considering where we are at the time of this recording, the beginning of 2021, it really seems like a million years ago. Right? Time has slowed down extensively when it comes to fish. But before we get to 2019, which was not that long ago in terms of a calendar year, let's go a little bit before that. What is your fish origin story? So my parents are fans. So the music has kind of always been there, but they always took me to like outdoor shows and really fish was their thing that they did without me because... You know, who wants to bring a child? And things were just so different back then to compared to now with like bringing kids. So Fish was always my favorite band and I saw so much music, but, you know, never Fish until I was older. And it was really awesome because I had, we had all the CDs and all the things, but they didn't like tell me everything. They really let me discover things on my own. So I was always coming to them like, oh my God. And they're like, yeah, we know. (laughs) (laughs) It was really, uh, It was just really magical to share that with them. But so my mom passed away in 2010 and it was really like, I remember the hiatus. I hadn't seen fish yet and hiatus and, you know, we're crying and I'm like, does this mean I'll never get to see fish? And my parents were like, I don't know. So hiatus really sucks because they're like, you're going to see fish when you're older. You're going to see fish when you're older. I just was always scared and felt like I was missing everything and I would never get to see all this stuff that I had dreamed of seeing. But when they came back, they did Miami without me. And then we got to listen to Joy together. And it was so exciting. We just knew we were going to see Fish soon. And then she randomly just got cancer and passed away. So then that really delayed me seeing them even more because we were in Florida and it was just really hard. So I didn't see my first show until 2013 with my dad. And what was that show in 2013? It was the 30th in Madison Square Garden. And it was crazy because he really wanted to take me, but like, you know, it was hard and it was expensive and we just couldn't afford it. So it was kind of like a surprise. And it was Christmas morning. I'm opening all this fish merch. And then it was the last thing I opened and it was the PTBM. And I was like, oh my God. And I cried. And and how old were you at that time? Um, I was 13, 14. I was a freshman in high school. So it was the craziest time because, you know, going to my first show that late, like walking into it, I had been a fan for all these years. I knew everything that was going to happen. 
You say that late because going to your first fish show at 13 or 14 years old really is, I think, the exception for most people. I think most people's first show would be when they're a lot older. I My first show was, I was 15. I had just turned 15. It was also at Madison Square Garden. If you're going at 13 and 14, I think you got a pretty good early start on it. I did. And I'm definitely spoiled. But like as a kid, I had seen so many shows so, like, I had seen Dave Matthews Band probably, like, 30 times because, you know, they're coming to Florida every year, and it's an outdoor show. So there were so many bands I had seen so much. She Love and Robert Randolph, like, all these people. I've been in the music scene for so long, but I haven't been in the fish scene where I need to be. And that's, you actually, in a way, that's a really good thing, in a sense, because I remember I was in college, or I had just graduated from college after Coventry, And for those five years or four and a half years, whatever it was between the breakup and the comeback at Hampton, the jam band scene really exploded. There were shows everywhere, every night, every genre. Aside from the festivals, most places, at least around here, I was in New York. It wasn't more than maybe 25 bucks at the most because a lot of these bands were like mid-level. Like you mentioned Robert Randolph. You know, he didn't play very big venues at the time. And you probably got to soak up a lot of different genres. And yeah, get I saw really a lot fluent. of yeah. We're much bigger now. Like people who are doing the smaller things. There's just so much good, so much good music. And what do you remember from that first show on December 30th, 2013? They opened with Kill Devil Falls. And I just will never forget, like this time will be different. And I was just like, finally, like, Because at the time, I was in a really bad place. I was in high school and, you know, just dealing with all the loss that my family had endured. And I was bullied really bad. And I was really depressed. And I had really bad grades. And I was getting in trouble all the time. I was like a really, really bad kid. That's another reason my dad really couldn't take me to shows. Because he's like, I look like a horrible parent if, like, you're doing so bad. And I, like, take you to a fish show. (laughs) Like, you got to get your shit together. But then he kind of knew this is what's going to help her get her shit together. So I just was kind of like, oh, this is the key, you know, like this is happiness. Like this will save my life. And it did. It was everything I knew it would be, but so much more. And it was just so awesome. And the chalk dust. And I was just like, I'm finally living, you know, I'm living while I'm young. I don't even know. It was just the greatest experience. I just knew that's where I needed to be. So tell us a little bit about your Etsy shop, the Funky Fox Shop, which is on Etsy. So yes. if if I were going to look for it, it's Etsy.com slash shop slash the Funky Fox Shop with a PH for funky. Yes. So tell us a little bit about it. So I really just want to sell anything fun, sparkly, music related. At Fish is the place where you can dress anyway and it be encouraged and appreciated and you can just do anything you want and I think being at a at a fish show is the best feeling in the world but also getting dressed up and being fancy that's one of the best feelings so like combining it and just finding ways to get really creative and I learned that like when you wear sequin to fish the way the light reflects like the lights reflect it it's just so fun so a lot of the dresses I do um I like recycle like prom dresses and things like that. And my goal really is to just make things that are so unexpected. I'll wear something so sparkly and poofy and pink. And then on the front, it'll say, fuck your face. Like I want to combine like all the girliest fashion, but then all of the craziest heavy evil fish and combine it into a way that like no one else is doing. But I just want to make things that are fun, make people feel good that you're wearing things that are conversation pieces that have you interact with people. Like that's why I started wearing the Fox hat that I wear. And that's how the whole shop started, which is just, it's all so crazy. Like I got that hat. I was camping with my family and it was just like at the campground general store. And I was like, I need this hat. It's awesome. And I started wearing it to shows and it was really fun. And my first time on the rail, Trey gets right in front of me. He's like, I love that hat. hat." So ever since then, I've worn it to every single fish show. Every time I'm going to see Trey, I've worn it to symphony shows, acoustic shows, looked really out of place. But I'm like, hey, Trey loves this hat. Something that you just said, I wanted to ask, and this might seem like a silly question. So tell me if it is. I think that most people don't realize 
how crazy the dress up game is at a fish show unless they go to like square shows unless they go right. see Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden right. now once in a while which as a born and raised Long Islander I love Billy Joel and I have <laughs> seen him at Madison Square Garden and everyone's wearing you know normal clothes so, so all the haters can just suck it but yeah Billy Joel rocks but but really though something like Billy Joel or even something you know like Roger Waters who is another boomer classic rock uh favorite <laughs> and I love Roger Waters also but it's not it's like so visually different when you go to a straight show, quote unquote, straight show compared to fish, what do you think it is about fish and the music and the community just acts that acts kind of like as a permission slip for someone to buy what they see on your website with glittery, a glittery dress that says, fuck your face on the front of it. <laughs> and this, like I said, this might be a silly question, but what do you think it is that kind of grants that freedom to people? There's just this deep acceptance and just, deep weirdness like if you like fish's music then you know like it just does that and I just feel like it's something that's been getting better and better like as the years go on it's the most amazing thing to look at it's just all the colors and all the people and all the energy and just re- like finding out like how far you can take it like there's been shows where I've made things that were like jokes to go with like the venue or like you know made things mad like there's just so many things you can do and like matching with people and it's just fun. I don't know what it is, but it's so, it's so special. So what made you first get into designing? My whole life, I always, whenever I would go to a show, I always wanted to wear something to like represent the band I was seeing. So I would go to shows with like a white t-shirt that I like drew a Sharpie on when I was like a kid. So when I started going to fish and seeing all these crazy things, I, um, just started making stuff that I wanted to wear that I couldn't buy. And for a long time, I really wanted people to make sparkly things. And I didn't know how to sew. Like I taught myself how to sew. I like learned how to do all of this stuff and I started doing it. And then people were like, Oh, this is awesome. You should sell it. And that was just like the craziest concept. Like I could barely make stuff for myself, but really I just wanted to have sparkly things. So I learned how to make, uh, like, Fishman donuts and sequin and just kind of ran with that. So really it was just my own personal demand is what brought me to it. You told me previously that growing up you were bullied for how you dressed and and now at fish you're celebrated for it. Yes. Now people are loving my fashion. And I also kind of tapped in because I used to just wear really crazy stuff that made me feel good. And it was always like, whoa, what are you wearing? So at fish, it's like encouraged. And since it was encouraged, I've discovered so much more. Like it's just gone so much deeper than I like could have ever imagined. So I'm just so grateful for that. Like it's really helped me to unlock so many hidden parts of myself and it just keeps, you know, just getting better and more awesome. And it's all because of the people of fish that have, uh, given me that let's talk about camden for a minute and then we'll get into fish in 2019 my experience with camden the last time i was there was 2004 and it was one of the worst experiences i ever had it was the day before coventry or the day the last show before coventry at least well there was bad juju in the air there was very bad juju in the air at that time and i remember first of all i got my ticket very late and it was off the highway, off the exit. I I held, we were running late and I was in the passenger side of a car and I held up a cardboard, like the side of a box pretty much with um, in, in Sharpie, thick black Sharpie saying, I need an extra. So anyone who drove by us on the New Jersey Turnpike that looked like they were going to the show, I would tell my friend to honk the horn. I would hold the this, this like cardboard sign oh at, the, at the window and it worked. It yeah. worked right when we got off the exit. And I pulled over and some guy charged me $80, which was criminal at the time. <laughs> so immediately I was in a bad mood. We got there and it looked like a goddamn war zone. There <laughs> were so many people. There was no space between anybody. A lot of grumbling, a lot of smoke everywhere. It was just gross. And, you know, at the end of their run, I'm sure there's someone out there who will tell me I'm wrong and that this is one of the best shows ever. But this show, I think it was, unless I'm wrong, I would say July 31st, 2004. I'll double check that. 
But man, things were just down. And to the point where after the encore, Trey came back out and told everybody to wait before going up to Coventry because there was so much rain up there that if everyone just left at the same time, it would cause a backup. So from beginning to end, it was an ugly scene. So this is now about 16 years later, 16 plus years later. I still haven't been back to Camden. Tell me why I should go back. So it's so much better than it used to be. And I feel like it gets better and better. Like in general, like that whole area is just getting much better. Cause like I went to Camden for like some Dave shows, you know, early 2000 and it was much different than it is now. And it's just, it's not about Camden. It's about the greatest city in the world, right across the river, Philadelphia. So, you know, you got to just go to Philly and just being on that lawn and getting to see Philly and, you know, the man is a really awesome venue, but it, it, you know, people get shut out of the man. So it's like in Camden, no one shut out. It's right there. Everyone can go. And this past Camden, it was actually night two, but during set break, they had the craziest fireworks that were just like at Penn's Landing. Like it had nothing to do with the show, but it just happened to be almost the entire set break. And so Fish played three nights in 2019 of that year, summer 2019. So yeah. when you brought up this show, I thought to myself, oh, 2019, that was so recent. But when I really stopped to think about it, I didn't remember anything from 2019. Like I couldn't, I couldn't place it at all. So I did some more research and the more I looked it up, the more I remembered. So here's what, here's what I remember. In the summer of 2019, Fish played 24 shows, which is about typical, I think for 3.0. They started in St. Louis. They headlined Bonnaroo for the third time. Uh, They played a single show in Toronto down toward Cleveland for another single show at Blossom. They cut East to Charlotte, two shows at Merriweather, They went all the way up north to Bangor, Maine, and then three shows in Camden. That's strange tour routing, right? It's like going from the mid-Atlantic to the upper, upper, you know, and they played Toronto earlier, which is closer to Maine than anything. It was weird. It was kind of. Yep. And the tour continued for a little while after Camden. They went to SPAC, two shows at Mohegan Sun, which were the only two that I went to that summer. And then they They wrapped up. Yeah, those were amazing shows. Yep. They wrapped up in Alpine Valley and then closed everything as they always do at Dick's. So what was your experience in 2019? What led you up to these shows? 2019 was a really awesome year because I felt like there was like this crazy momentum coming off of 2018 with, um, you know, Halloween, Casbah and Just Goes to the Forest, which honestly, those are two of the best albums ever, especially with Ghosts in the Forest was there was just they talked about things that there's not music about really like they it's the best music about death and loss and about what happens when we die and just like all these crazy ideas you know and it's honestly some of my favorite music ever and like especially you know my mom being a fan and her passing away like ghost in the forest was just like one of the best things musically to ever happen to me honestly it's some of the best songs about that hard loss and there's really not so much music that really gets down to that level of it and and just Casva is so fun. I'm glad you brought up Ghosts of the Forest and that you're so into it because I think it's impossible to talk about the summer 2019 tour without talking about Ghosts of the Forest because so many of those songs they were so prevalent in the set lists. What really made a lot of Ghosts of the Forest resonate with me is kind of what you alluded to was the meaning behind them and how and why they were written, why the whole yeah. album was written. There are songs that are very cheesy. I think Trey's lyrics, as a lyricist, I think he's a very cheesy lyricist. He dives very much into the sunshine and obstacles and love and light, <laughs> love and, light and everything. And people love it. And that's absolutely fine. I think when you hear it, in the context that it was written for a friend of his, a deep friend of his who is dying of cancer, I think a lot of it connects. I think a lot of it could be, I don't even want to say forgiven because he's not, you know, it's, he's not guilty of anything, but I think a lot of it can be accepted by a broader fan base because fish fans are the pickiest of all myself included. Yeah. (laughs) And, but I think that when you hear something like devotion to a not devotion to a dream, I'm sorry, uh, drift while you're sleeping. Yes. You know, which they played in in today's show. And I love it very, very much. 
when you really listen to it. Yeah. And so when I'm, I'm going on a ramble right now, but I think that the big disconnect in 2019 is that a lot of people who weren't at the shows thought that they were not so good, but the people who were there thought they were some of the best they've ever seen. I think there was a really big, like, I was kind of surprised. Like I felt like a lot of people really just didn't get ghost of the forest. Honestly, like, I feel like it got a lot of hate. And when they did play those shows, like those songs in the shows, like people, you know, weren't thrilled. And I don't know, personally, I just feel like you're lucky then because you haven't experienced that kind of loss. And that's the only thing. And like, everyone's not going to like stuff, you know, whatever. But I don't know, just the way those songs made me feel and the way that I was able to remember things I can't really remember. Like I went to the Ghost of the Forest show at the Met in Philly and hearing those songs for the first time, that was one of the craziest like, musical experiences because I could just like see memories and it was like watching a movie. Like it was like crazy. So hearing Fish play those songs was just awesome. Um, I have, I'm happy they exist. <laughs> I am too. I really am. So let's dive into this first set. You said that before the show started that it was raining like crazy. That's something I didn't get from the recording and that I didn't know. Tell me yeah. about that. It was hilarious, honestly. So it's like before the show and it is downpouring. Like, I mean, soaking wet as if we all just took a shower. We're on the lawn and it's pouring rain and everyone's freaking out, but it's like funny, you know, like you're caught in a warm summer rain. It's just one of those awesome moments in life. But like, it also sucks. And we're all just like, what's going to happen? We knew the show was going to be delayed a little bit. And we like run up to the top of the lawn. We're under this tree. And my one friend is like, what the fuck are we doing? And some of our friends were actually late to the show. So because it rained and it was delayed, they got there and it was like perfect sunset, like right on time. So by the time we like got to our spot and the show was about to start, it was like the perfect sunset and we were all dry and we were ready to go. And it was just so funny because I just love when those unexpected things happen. Those are the best memories, those like unexpected things. And especially those things that you think are going to suck but are actually awesome. You know, it's like, let's get caught in the rain before the show and have it be delayed, but it was actually awesome. And and yeah, it makes sense now that w- the story that you tell me, because they opened the first set with Set Your Soul Free, which it's taking, it's going to take a while for this one to grow on me, but New I Fish songs, it. yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing Tab play it before Fish and being like, damn, like this is going to be a crazy, crazy Fish song. It always takes a long time for new new songs to grow on me. I still think Waves is is new. But like anything off Round Room, I'm like, oh, all right. I guess, you know, well, I guess 46 days. Okay, we'll have to get through this one and seven below. Wow. You know, they're, you know they're, the songs are older than some of the fans who are at the shows. So that right. says more about me than the music. But, <laughs> I, but I didn't realize there's a line that says, feel the rain. And I heard it in the crowd that there's a huge, gigantic cheer on the recording. <laughs> yeah. Oh, go. I'm singing this song. I'm digging my grave. And it won't be long. So take a little trip. Feel a little rain. Take a little higher. Try to make more pain. Burn it down, burn it down. Set your soul free. remember the vibe at the start of this show after yeah, the rain and after the band awesome. comes on we were just like catapulted into it it was just like you were just in it it was just an awesome start and also too when you start off like a three-night run like that boom like let's rage you know so it was just like a peek into how epic the weekend was gonna be and they moved on to strawberry letter 23 which is so much fun what a great call oh that was great it was awesome that was really fun because um, when they debuted it at the Baker's Dozen, I was with my dad for that show, and that was awesome. And then the next time they played it was Hampton, but me and my dad had like a family wedding, so we missed it. But my boyfriend, all his friends went, so they got it. And so then when they did it this time, we were like all together for it. Mm-hmm. So, so awesome. We were like, yes. And moving on to My Friend, My Friend, which is some old school to get guys like me into it, all us old heads. Um, I don't know anyone who doesn't get excited at the start of My Friend, My Friend, right? Right. It's a rager. 
And this fee, you brought up the, the Baker's dozen just a minute ago, the feedback on my friend, my friend kind of toward the end of it, when it builds and builds and builds, it sounded in this version, like it starts super early, which brought me back to the Baker's dozen on jam night. Yeah. It tended like Trey just wanted to get right into the shrieking and the, yeah. the guitar feedback and the crowd on this recording, just they go ape shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> so after my friend, my friend, it's well, it seems like everyone was really deep into it already, right? Right. A lot happened already for like first set, you know? They move into Halfway to the Moon, which for someone like me, who's a little bit cynical about some of the, about 3.0 songs, I actually like this song a lot. I do too, actually. And it's funny because it was actually a Magna Ball when they played this. And I remember it started and usually like, you know, people call me a fluffer. I love everything. But that was one song I was like, oh, like, I don't really want to hear this song right now. And then they jammed it out and it was such a sick jam. And I just remember in that moment being like, Fish knows what the fuck they're doing. Don't act like you know better, you know, because that jam like blew my mind. So I was really getting down at the Camden show and it was awesome. So sometimes it takes an experience like that to really change your perspective on a song. You're absolutely right. And it's a lesson that I have to keep learning. Yeah, you know, you're not allowed. You're not supposed to complain. Fish knows better. And yeah. I keep learning it. I've been learning it for a long time. And any complaint I have, I know how silly I am. Yeah. You know, and I, but I keep coming back. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, they know better. And they, and Halfway to the Moon had a point that kind of summarized 2019 for me where the term micro jam became very popular. Were you yeah. at the time? Yeah, those very short, like short and sweet. Like it's like 10 minutes, but it really gets going there for a few minutes. Definitely. seemed to come out of nowhere. And I think the first one of this show for me, listening back to it was during halfway to the moon. There was a song yes. that was, it was cruising along and then there were no surprises. And then it just coalesces into this awesome big sound. Yeah. Yeah. It's very like unexpected. And then once it's jamming, it's like, damn, you know, it's one of those sneaks up on you. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I love it. I loved the, the more I listened to 2019, the more I like it. I think I was, and after halfway to the moon, they played the old home place. And I just thought, oh, cool. Best. I love standard fish bluegrass, but your experience was very different from mine. This show was very like, you know, this is our, it felt like home, you know, like this is our venue. We had friends staying with us. Like we just knew all the places. We were like the tour guide. So also too, like we just had all like my Pennsylvania friends, like our New York friends. My dad got to meet so many of our people. Like we just, everyone was there and experiencing how awesome you know, it is over there because a lot of our friends hadn't been there or had the same experiences that you had, like, you know, Camden sucks. So that was like, <laughs> oh, that was like, wait, this is awesome. So I dressed up like Dorothy and I was wearing this like blue Dorothy dress and I had these bright red sparkly boots on. Before they went into Old Home Place, there was like, you know, almost like a minute before they went into it. So I'm just like skipping and like running up around the lawn, like around all my friends, just yelling, there's no place like home. And I, I keep yelling it and we're all like dying and I'm just having a blast. And then they went into old home place and like the first few notes, I literally just like stop. I just, my mouth is wide open and all my friends were all just like, oh my God. And you know, people around us, I literally like fall on the ground for a second, get back up, like, oh, yeah, I'm like, jumping all around. Like, it was just like one of those crazy moments and this like explosion of energy and we're all high fiving and it was amazing. And especially just hearing that song in general, like it's such a rarity, you know, yeah. so in the hometown 
as I'm traveling, I'm like Dorothy screaming, there's no place like home. Like it's one of those moments where you're like, does fish read my mind? And after the old home place, they go into train song, which I have a very sentimental connection to it. And what I loved about this version, especially, and this rarely happens, Mike forgets some of the lyrics when you listen back to it and yeah. that never happens. But what really sticks to me is when Mike f- forgets his lyrics, Trey bails him out. He comes forward and Trey sings a lot of train song in this mm-hmm. version. I've never heard one like this before. And it was, I loved it on two layers. Number one, I love that hearing a song that I know so well being sang in a different way is just yeah. a treat. But second, what it really says about how a band member, when someone screws up, Trey is right there, almost like an older brother. Yeah. You kind of just like- bail him out. And it was so sweet. Yeah. That's such a beautiful song. I yeah. love hearing and I just love trains. Like I have a model train set up and I love to like go on trains and I've like spray painted trains and I just, I'm a big train fan. So <laughs> that song is just uh, magical. The follow up yeah. is Horn, which up to this point, this to me sounded like kind of a very staid show, S-T-A-I-D. Uh, it thought it was, they were kind of painting in the lines, but it seemed like a really good flow. You know, it, I'm, it I go was for a the good, First set kind of filler breather yeah. moment rocked, you know, like we got, we got down. It was awesome. I love hearing that song. And yeah, cause I, I pictured myself there when I was listening to this and I could picture myself maybe sitting for a little bit of this set or not feeling too bad about going to the bathroom or getting right. another beer, you know, I, that I, I felt like I wouldn't miss that much that I hadn't heard before. But to your point earlier, you said this was like a big homecoming or hometown show. You were the host. Yeah. <laughs> right. So at that point, like that's the real joy of a show like this, at least the first set, right? Right. Just to be somewhere with all of your friends. And like, I really fell in love with the lawn because it's like everyone can be there and we have all this space and your friends bring their friends and everyone's together. So it didn't matter what they were going to play. And then the next song that they played really busted things out. They followed up with Birds of a Feather. Yeah. Which is, I love how they started with like the birds and mm-hmm. it's like, Fly Eagles fly, baby. Like, that's what I'm talking about. And what's really funny, too, about that version is he says, like, whippets they attack instead of whippets they dance, which is like Philly, baby. Yeah, I was going to say the Nitrous Mafia, if they had a capital, it would be Philadelphia. Right. So I'm like, that's a really funny nod to that. Speaking, though, this Birds of a Feather is very, very notable. Yeah, it's really crazy. It gets really deep really fast it does there and i i wrote down at four minutes in they're in a type two jam
Yeah. And it was, again, something else that was representative of 2019, where things would just be going along. Things would just be, you know, bobbing your head as normal. And then I wrote in capital letters, a sudden incredible jam develops. Like all of us, it was like someone flips the switch. I loved it so much. This is one of my favorite versions of Birds of a Feather. And I've had a lot. Yeah, it's so good. To follow that up is a great call of Wolfman's brother. Yeah, that was a really great Wolfman's. It was a really good jam. It was a really good one. And it starts with Trey has a very deep kind of dissonant tone. It reminded me, talking about Camden, of 2004. It, like the way it sounds a little uncompressed. It sounds very raw, his guitar. Mm-hmm. But he does it very, very well. Uh, Page is washy on his synthesizer. Fishman is heavy on the wood box. If I didn't know better, I might guess that this show was from 2.0. Like if you just put a set of headphones on me and hit play and asked me to guess, mm-hmm. that's what I would say. And this is a really good Wolfman's. It's- it was a really good Wolfman's. And that's like a song like I've heard so, so much yeah. that like it's honestly kind of overplayed for me. Not, And so that was a really great version that I was like, really? Yes. Because I hear it at almost every show, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like it's very high up. And, you know, I love that song. It's become a 3.0 first set favorite. Like it's always yeah. in the first set yeah. in 3.0. It's always about 10 minutes. And but it's oh, it always delivers, especially this one toward the end. Paige has some great like boogie woogie piano. And they really I wrote this is the way I put it. They're really squeezing all the juice out of this one. Yes, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And then they played Wombat, which I think is criminally underplayed. Yes, I could not agree more. That song is crazy. It is amazing. It is just so weird and so fish, but it's just such a. It's just so, it's so funky and so dancey. It's so high energy. It's just, it's amazing. It is so good. They played Timber Ho. And then the big part of this, of the set for me, my favorite was Drift While You're Sleeping. Yeah, that was really, really beautiful. Because they played this also at Mohegan Sun a little bit later in the summer. And that's when it really connected with me. So now, you know, this happens where... I listen back to it now, other versions that I wasn't aware of before I heard it. And it it just gets more meaningful every time I hear it. And I was with my dad for that. And like, I did the Ghost of the Forest shows, but he didn't. So that was like our first time, like hearing Ghost of the Forest together. And it was just very emotional and amazing. I can imagine with the sort of grief that, that you personally, and that a lot of others have had to process, you know, that yeah. are very personal to lyrics that these are about yeah. that, that end though, the, we, we move through stormy weather part must yeah. be so therapeutic to just it do really arena rock. Yeah. That song is all of the songs like that, that are about like, you know, death, like stuff like miss you. It's just such a release. You know, I get so emotional sometimes during it and it's just like so refreshing and it just, it's just amazing. And set to open with Mercury. And I this song, I remember at the time thinking that, oh, New Year's Eve 2018, that really took it a long way. But when I was recording this show, one of the first episodes, one of my first guests was Alicia Alashant from Fish Radio. And oh, she, cool. Yeah, she picked a show from the Vegas run, I think, in 2018. And they played a version of this song, of Mercury. And I know it's been around since 2015. But I never really dug into it on like a on more than on a surface level. And they mm-hmm. put a version on that show. I think it's November second, twenty eighteen. That just blew me away. So now it's a matter of, I love it even more every time I hear it. And this version has it all. Yeah, it was so 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 good. It's such a great second set opener. I feel like I've seen it as a second set opener a few times, and it's like. It's a really great way to kick it off. And it's a really, it has a really good jam and it has just, you know, the parts that's not a jam feels like a jam, you know? Yeah. And in the summer, like you said, so this, the sun was setting toward the second part of set one, right? Like toward yeah. set break, the sun was setting. So now yeah, it's dark. So, right. So Mercury, it's dark and the silver starlit tapestry is uh, out. <laughs> yeah. I wrote, I wrote that um, around 10 minutes, there's a major key jam and I could only describe it as a starry jam.
Yeah. And that's my friend's favorite song. So it's always like yeah. one of the stars. People are high-fiving them. So that was cool. They follow that up with No Man in No Man's Land, which I thought was a perfect call after a really big time Mercury. Yeah. You know, it brought us down to earth, a little more straightforward and funky. Yeah. Yeah, that song's so much fun. Like, people say they play it a lot, and I'm like, I could hear that at every single show forever. Like, it's just I like, agree. It's something that really makes me dance. You know, I really judge music in a way on how it makes me dance, and that's one of those songs that, like, all the moves come out, you know? <laughs> all the moves, yeah. You got to bring it all over. <laughs> because even in this one, there's, like, a cool and patient run. There's a semi-spacey vibe. Mike drops yeah. bass bombs all over the it's place. So it's bouncy. It's just like a, it's the only way I can describe it. Like it's just a very high energy song. And toward the end, I've, I rarely hear this. There's a drum segue. Do you know what I mean? Like Fishman plays the, we have come to art, live our brains drum part. Yeah. Out, yeah. Out of Mercury and into the actual song. And this, so you brought up Casvot Voxed earlier, right? Yes. You said how it's such a fun album. This song is very rarely played. It's only been played eight times total to date. To follow that up was About to Run, which musically speaking is my favorite song off Ghosts So the Forest. Yeah. It's just and, so raw and so emotionally real and just the way he just oh, plays that guitar like that, like just the sound. He, he found a way to make it sound how that feels. Yeah, and he's an artist. Right. It's just crazy how you can put sound to a feeling like that, you know? Agreed. A thousand percent. Because with a lot of Ghosts of the Forest is about grief and sadness and letting go and these very big ideas. About yeah. to Run, I find, is more about anger and fear. Yes. And that kind of anger and fear that is associated with grief and letting someone yeah. go, that is kind of under-acknowledged in the it grieving process. hard. Like, it really completely changes your life. And I really resonate with that because I feel like for a while, just like that anger was driving me, you know, and I just felt that like I was always about to run. I was always just all over the place, just in such a weird place. So I just, that song is just so perfect. It's just so cool that it exists because there's truly nothing like it, honestly. Yeah. And it makes, I think it makes Ghost of the Forest as a piece a lot more complete than it would mm -hmm. be without it. Mm-hmm. Plus, it has a killer guitar solo at the end, so you can <laughs> so never say no to that. <laughs> right? Yeah, so good. Light is next with Paige. I think feels a little extra frisky, I wrote, during this <laughs> chat. <laughs> it's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. It's, and Light, you know, if, if, if I think that Round Room songs are new, you can only imagine how new I feel oh, yeah. Light is. Yeah. Um, but they always, I think 3.0 jams, I think the best jams overall, like pound for pound, have come from light. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a, a popular vehicle, for sure. And, and it's just a really awesome song. Like, I just love those lyrics. And especially this version, like, the night before, I'm about to open on Shakedown. And I was really nervous, you know? Like, I really didn't know how it was going to go, because I had never sold anything yet. I was, like, waiting to do it all on, like, the lot. So I was really, you know, feeling some type of way and just hearing all those lyrics and it really felt, I felt like comfortable, you know, it's like, no, it's gonna be great. Like whatever happens will happen. And it'll be Speaking good. as a lot consumer, a custy, if you will, yes. <laughs> I have no, I have no insight into this. Does that affect the idea of you knowing you're going to open a shop and you're going into commerce? You know, it's, I know it's on a fish parking lot in Camden, New Jersey, but, but you know, it's a business you're, you're putting yourself yeah. out there. You have Does to that, pay for, a lot like right I, for vending fees realize yeah so it's definitely like a lot it was a does lot does that affect your ability to enjoy a show i i won't let it can no because like the show is number one you know and it's like this is why we work you know this is why right. i do everything to be at the show so it's like once it started to interfere i was like no so everyone was like oh step back up like the rain's gone and i was like no I, i'm going into the show i'm raging coming out after you know, I was like, step back up again. I'm like, no, I'm tripping now. I can't like, <laughs> <laughs> I have to run into the I women's room. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm celebrating. I did it. I, whatever happened, happened. I made some sales and had a lot of fun. Cause I didn't step back up, but I like brought my stuff out and like people were trying stuff on. We were taking pictures and you know, it was a lot of fun. So and I made some sales and I, that's when I realized I was like, I got to do the Etsy because like, this is a lot of work and it really put into perspective 
how mind-blowing it is for these people who set up on lot every single show and all the work they put in. It's straight up the hardest thing I've ever done. And I haven't done it since. And I was going to do it again later that tour. And I was like, like, (laughs) no. It was a really really popular thing to try in the mid nineties, all the way through the end of 2.0, where someone's like, oh, we'll just set up a, you know, we'll set up a cooler and we'll just sell beers and we'll make gas money. There's so much more to it. So much more. And anyone could imagine. Yeah, it can definitely interfere with the show. So I definitely could have done more, but I was like, you know, <laughs> and even I did people, my part. Yeah, even people who say they want to sell some waters, you know, post show, yeah. it's like, all right, well, you're going to have to miss the encore, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely not. I would, can't do it. And to wrap it all up, I believe, unless my notes are off, after Light, they played Run Like an Antelope. Yes, that is my favorite song in the world. Yeah, Nothing tell me about it. Joy than hearing that song. I was just so excited when it happened and there was just like, we were just all there and there was all this space on the lawn and just everyone knew that I was just like dying of joy. And I just couldn't believe that we were going to hear it in that moment with all of the whole vibe and everything. And I just was so, so excited and it was so awesome. And I just, I ran like an antelope all over that lawn. (laughs) It was so awesome. And, I just think it was just so cool that like the, sh- the second set opened with my boyfriend Evan's favorite song and closed with my favorite song. It has its usual intro, but it quiets down quite a bit and it almost starts from scratch, which yeah. they used to do a lot in the late nineties. They would do this a lot where after the, um, the, the key change where, um, where I, I, I'm going to falter quite a bit, but where Fishman does his really fast drum fill. And then they go into the second sequence of the song. They used to like, quiet to like what to like right. volume level one life and now the antelope is starting to run yes yeah. yeah and they did that in this one and i wrote that this is the sort of antelope dynamic that i want more of like this yeah. is my type of antelope for sure So what were you feeling by the end of Antelope? Anything in between then and the encore? Do you remember? I was just like laying on the lawn, biggest smile on my face. Like, holy shit. I can't believe that just happened. I feel just like so complete. And it's just night one, you know, and I just knew (laughs) tomorrow was going to be the best day. Any worry that I had about setting up was just gone. And I was just like, I know what I have to do and it's going to be awesome. And We're just truly blessed, you know? And they come on for the encore with Sleeping Monkey and with Quinn the Eskimo, which is the perfect closer. Yes. In my opinion. Yeah, no, it's really fun. It's a great way to end it. And I love a two-song encore because you're just kind of like, because if they would have finished it with Sleeping Monkey, that would have been, you know, fine, great. You know, it's a great song. So then to go into that too is like, wow, you know? Well, that was a trend in that summer of 2019. They would play really long encores. There was like some four song ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I love, you know, it makes it feel longer. It does. Even if it ends at the same time as a one song encore, you feel like you've gotten a little bit more bang for your buck. It does. (laughs) I also thought I wrote down that uh, Quinn the Eskimo is excellent for the Philly, Southern New Jersey crowd. I can imagine a party on the lawn for this one while Paige is killing it on the piano. It was great. What was the feeling walking out of the show? I don't even, just indescribable, just bliss, just so much excitement. Just everyone like, ah, like stop <laughs> fucking up back. Like, uh, I just remember, you know, just having the best time. And then we went out on the lot after and it was just like, 
it, it is pre-show, you know, everyone was all set up and we went back to our, you know, cars and we had the speaker and we had a bubble maker and we were just all out by the car getting down. Having That's all you need. Mingling and partying with everyone. And it was just so much fun. And we, and they, they let us chill on the lot for a little bit. It was a really nice flow from like leaving the show, being out there, you know, everyone freaking out about how awesome it was. And then going home, it was like a nice, uh, it was a lot of fun. So I thought I wouldn't have much to say about summer 2019, and boy, was I wrong. But with all we had to say, Alyssa and I need just a few corrections, so now it's time for the attendance bias fact check. When talking about Camden, I mentioned that my last show at the venue was the show right before Coventry. However, I was way off on the date. I said it was July 31st, 2004. I was definitely thinking of 2003, which was right before the IT Festival. Fish played at Camden on July 31st, 2003, but the show before Coventry was on August 12th, 2004. When talking about Wolfman's brother, both Alyssa and I said that it's overplayed, especially in 3.0. According to Fish.net, Wolfman's brother has been played 206 times since its debut on April 4th, 1994. 108 of those times have been played in 3.0. Played very frequently? Definitely. Overplayed? Well, I guess that depends on your opinion. To begin the second set of today's show, the band opened with Mercury. When I said that this song grew on me, I mentioned the version from the 2018 Vegas Halloween run. That show was November 2nd, 2018. I talked about that show with Elisa Alashant of Fish Radio for the first episode ever of Attendance Bias. There's a link to that episode in today's show notes. And that's it for today's episode of Attendance Bias. I'd like to thank Alyssa Poland of the Funky Fox Etsy Clothing Shop for joining me today. To find her goods, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, and search for the Funky Fox, that's funky with a P-H, of course. I'd also like to thank Fish.net for providing all of the information we needed today, Fish.in for a great-sounding recording of the show, and if you enjoy Attendance Bias, please support the show by leaving a rating and a review of the show on your favorite podcast app of choice, or just tell one person about the podcast. Call them, text them, tell them, whatever you can do, spread the word. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next week on Attendance Bias. Attendance Bias.